Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet, and today we're talking about culture and disability because May 21st is the World Day for Cultural Diversity for Dialogue and Development, which is a United Nations sanctioned international holiday promoting diversity issues. So I've got a great group of young youth and young adults with me today for representing different cultures to have this conversation. So welcome, Clement, Ishita, Jagad, Jenny, and Nika. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, thank you. Yeah, big group today. So maybe you can each introduce yourselves, um, remind us your level of vision and what culture, what is your culture? Hi everyone, my name is Ishita and I have a condition called Conora dystrophy, which primarily affects the central field of my vision. So I can see general shapes and colors, but I have issues with seeing uh, finer details. And my ethnicity is Indian. And now uh, when we refer to North Indian, we say in India, this is where the north, northern actual part of India. And in the West, I believe we say East Indian to refer to anyone who is from the country of India. So within this podcast, we will kind of use them interchangeably of North Indian and East Indian referring to the same culture. So hi, everyone. My name is Clement, and I am actually from a few different places. My dad is from Taiwan, and my mom is part of the Chinese population of a little country called Brunei, which is a small country off the northwest edge of Malaysia, I believe. And so I identify myself as Taiwanese, Taiwanese, Brunei, and Chinese Canadian. Um, I was born here, as were both of my siblings, and my parents immigrated here, and they met and married here. And I am totally blind, uh, also from birth, and I have a condition called Nori disease. So I'm Ginny. Uh, I am completely blind, and I have been since birth. I am part of the East Indian culture, so my parents were born in India and they immigrated to Canada. And I was born in Canada. My Punjabi name is actually Harjinder, but to fit into the Canadian culture um, and fill that gap, I shortened my name to Ginny as well. Hello everyone, this is my first podcast and I'm Jugad and I'm from North India. Although that's my main culture, I'm a Sikh. And my name is Yajagad, and I was born in Punjab. And then, yeah, I stayed in Mumbai, which is in southwest India, for 10 years. Although I'm still through and through a Punjab person and a Sikh, and I'll go into more detail about that later. And I moved to Canada two and a half years ago in 2018, I think. Yeah. My level of vision is a condition called Leber Congenital Amorosis, LCA. I can see very little because I can see light and darkness. Like I can be, yeah, I can find the difference between light and darkness. And if an object is very big, I can see it. But if it's small and far, I cannot see it. And when I'm looking at people, I can see shadows and big objects without any detail, which might sound creepy, but it's not. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Nika. And I have a condition called Peter's anomaly. Essentially, most of my vision is in my left eye. I can see shapes, colors, um, but with details, I have to get up close in order to see them. And I am Persian. My parents were born in Iran, and they, along with my brother, emigrated to Canada 24 years ago. So, I mean, there's a... 
I think sort of the most common maybe model or view of disability is the medical model of disability where something is not working correctly and needing to be fixed. There's also a social model of disability where nothing needs to be fixed. It's just the environment is not set up for somebody with a disability. So therefore it feels like you have a disability because you're not able to function, I guess, along with everybody else because maybe things aren't accessible. But then within different cultures, there are also other or different views of disability, which is kind of why we thought this was an important topic. Wondering if you could each share how disability is viewed in your culture or in your family, maybe if you, it's maybe unfair to suggest that an entire culture, everyone in that culture feels the same way. So we want to kind of mention that this is sort of based on our own personal experience or your own personal experiences, not wanting to generalize too much, but I think that there are probably some commonalities. So I think from what I have noticed in the East Indian culture that I have been a part of, disability is quite complicated. There are some people who have the purest intentions in their heart, who believe that, you know, that you should be fixed because to them, they, you know, they, they think, oh, this thing that isn't working, we, you know, we want to make it work, right? We want to make you, you um, whole again, you know, in a sense. And, you know, though that, you know, again, so they have that more of that medical view there, and, but they don't actually realize the social harm that it's, perhaps causing to the person, um, especially if that person is someone like me who was born in Canada, um, who has seen a different view. For someone in India, maybe, who doesn't know anything else, maybe that's okay. Because I actually went to a school for the blind in India when I, uh, in 2008, so I was eight years old, to just visit. And for them, they didn't know anything different. For them, it was all about that because they don't have this other view that they could contrast it with or compare it with. Um, and I think another thing is, as well as, as well as the medical, it's also pitiful. If you, you know, I some cultures, um, I know not Sikhism, which is a little bit what of that I'm a part of too, but more in the a different part of India if they believe in karma or past lives, et cetera, the view is more that you deserved it or that you had done something to get yourself there um, or that something that your parents have done that they have to live out, just kind of like a punishment in that way, um, as well as being pitiful that, you know, people have to pity you, do everything for you and stuff like that. But on a different note as well, I've also noticed that people are really willing to help. And I think, okay, yeah, people are really willing to help maybe in the wrong ways too. But sometimes I find that people in my culture are like so hospitable. Um, you know, they'll see me out in the streets and because of my culture, you know, they'll actually approach me and be like, hey, you're one of us. Do you need anything? Like they'll check up on me more. I mean, yeah, some of them can be more invasive, but the thing is they'll see my skin and they'll want to check up on me more, which I really appreciate. I would say I agree with Ginny a lot. Um, I'm also East Indian, like I mentioned, and I, I definitely have experienced the same experiences as Ginny. I haven't been to India uh, other than just like short stays or just being there for the summer. Haven't been in any schools there, but I would say for the most part, my... Uh, what I've seen is very similar to what Ginny has said. And I would also add that um, from my experience, it is, it's kind of different depending on the type of disability you have. Um, I know people in my personal life who have psychological or cognitive related disabilities, and um, it is seen as more non-existent. And I, I think that there's also a conversation about it being similar in the West where it's just like, you know, it, we kind of, we can get into that, but it's just, it's very different when it's, again, a physical disability um, in that sense of where, again, you can see the person is physically disabled or has a visual impairment or hearing impairment or anything um, of the sort versus something that is psychological, cognitive, or neurological. Um, 
I have noticed a difference and and yeah I would say similar to Jay also um it's I have had negative experiences where people um you know may may get really invasive and and want to and want to uh, just or ask questions and and you know may think have that pitiful view of me thinking and making assumptions about me saying you know maybe she can't do this or or whatever but also they're really hospitable and they do want to help and it comes from a place of just wanting to help someone of your own kind i'd also want to this time and i don't know if you've noticed this just uh, as well the level of vision i find also plays a role in that i don't you know i we do um, also have the same challenges, but I find that if you have none, no vision at all, it, it, it's like a spectrum as well. Like the help and the pity is worse. Whereas if you have some or, or a lot, it's like, Oh, they don't need to use a cane or, Oh, they at least have that. So they can kind of fake it through, you know, I don't know if you've noticed that as someone who has partial sight, but yeah, I just think that's an interesting point. Too. I have. Yeah, I definitely have. Um, when I am with friends or anyone I know who is fully blind and I just talk about them saying, oh, this is my friend, I explain them. And there's always that, oh no, uh, associated with them. Like, oh, I feel so bad for them versus when I talk about myself, they don't say that. I think they don't see me as blind. Uh, and I'm putting quotes around that because I don't think mm -hmm. they, it, again, like you said, it's a spectrum and a lot of people don't know that. And I definitely try and educate saying I consider myself on the spectrum and I do consider myself blind as well. But again, there's definitely that um, greater value of pity when someone is totally blind or has a lot less vision. So in India, I've lived like most of my life. Like I said, I moved here two and a half years ago and I've lived 10 and a half years of my or 11 years of my life in India. So um mostly in the southwest but like i said my culture is of the north and even though in india like um schools are not good and being disabled disabled is like a big flaw and a big problem personally in my culture which is sikhism in north india in punjab i've never felt left out which i'm pretty grateful for because whenever we have any religious events like say Vasaki or Diwali or just any event. If we are going to the Gurdwara in Jalandhar or anywhere, um, I've never felt left out. And people usually like in my family, my grandparents and other far relatives and my parents and grandparents and all that, all the family, um, they have tried to include me in everything mostly. So about the North Indian culture, I have a positive opinion. Yeah, because all of them encourage me to go into the religion more and I love it. And like, um, I feel very close to my identity, if I say it. And my name is Jugat Savar Singh and like Singh is the, um, a name that came from our 10th guru. And in our religion, blind people are not thought of as disabled and people who can't do anything or have done something bad in their last lives or anything anything like that in the Northern Indian culture. But um, we think, I mean, the, everyone thinks in our culture that um, being blind is nothing wrong. And if you have caliber and if you are, if you are worthy and, not worthy, but like, if you have caliber, if you have talent, blindness does not interrupt your talent at all. And I was always encouraged in my culture to like do this part. And another fun fact, like our holy book, Guru Granth Sahib has 1,430 pages and a blind person brailed all of them without embossing them. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, it took him 14 years, but... Um, yeah, so blindness is, according to me, in our, our culture, it's not thought of as disability. And we look towards the talent and we just think like everyone pray for being okay. Yeah, I've never felt out left out of my religion, however India might be, but my religion has always accepted me. So just to add on to what Jagad said, um, I, I definitely do agree with what he said in terms of uh, relating to their Sikh religion. I myself am also Sikh. Um, so when he mentioned the Gurdwara, which is uh, the Sikh temple, 
um, that is where we go to pray. And um, it, it, there's actually a lot in around Canada. If you ever, um, you know, if you ever see it around, it's definitely, it's, it's a holy place that uh, Sikhs go to pray. So that's what he was mentioning. And I, I definitely agree. Um, one thing that we have in the, in the Gurdwara is langar, which is um, food that is served to everyone of uh, any walk of life, any religion, you can come in and uh, enjoy a meal. Um, and it's a really humbling experience. So I would say similar to Jagad, uh, any experience that I've had in a religious context has always been positive because of the reasons that he mentioned. Mm-hmm. I find that interesting that both of you had had positive experiences. Um, and I think that's really, really great. And I would love to talk more with you guys about that because for me personally, I haven't did as much. I mean, my family is sick as well. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I do love it. Um, but for instance, I wasn't able to take my cane into the temple for the longest time because it was seen as something, you know, maybe is shameful and people would stare and ask questions. And you know what? I don't blame, you know, for not um, us for not taking it in because it's the people. No one wants to be stared at and looked at. Right. And, you know, it's, it's seen as something uh, dirty. Um, and not wanted there. And I remember one year um, I did take it in for the first time and I was bombarded by a lot of people who wanted to just pray for me, just pray for it to just go away. And that's not how it works. You know, you can't just heal it. There's nothing to be fixed. And I just think that's interesting how you two have had the uh, positive experiences in the religious um, context. Because I also know that um, religion uh, or places of religion, uh, places of religion have their own rules about whether you can bring in service animals and stuff like that as well. Like in the Gurdwara, I felt like that was the place that no one ever like um, changed any subject or asked anything different because I have met people who have actually said that we pray for your blindness to go away. And although it does feel like a little bit sympathetic, I do like kind of yeah appreciate that they think like that and yeah and like when uh, my identity is like i said the thing and like we have some objects and things that we wear like the patka the turban and the kara that you wear on your wrist to show that you're from that religion and in yeah in the gurdwara they always yeah it feel i feel like i've i'm a true part of my religion and per, with the K um, in India, otherwise the India, like I never had a cane in India, honestly, when I came to Canada, I learned mobility. I never knew what a cane was in India for that matter. But um, yeah, but yeah, I have okay. felt sometimes sympathetic, but yeah, that was a, yeah, I appreciated it. And yeah, I feel like I'm a true part of my culture. Better great range of experiences even in the same culture so it's really interesting to hear about um i would also say um my my culture is a little bit um mixed on this one so chinese culture as a whole is a lot of it has to do with um the beliefs in karma even if that might not be what we call it uh some people who don't practice Buddhism, uh, might not say they believe in karma, but they believe in things that you've done in the past having an effect. So a disability is definitely something that a lot of people will see as something that either you did yourself to bring on or your parents did something. Um, And out of the religious context, it might be because, oh, your parents weren't healthy enough or because they did something before they got married that they shouldn't have done or whatever. Uh, And so it'll be there'll be a million and a half ways to try and find your way around it. And as, as a result, disability is not for everyone, maybe, but from my experience, whether that's from my family or from um, people on the street, um, it's definitely something that is needs to be taken care of. Being content with your disability is not something that's seen as normal. Um, and it's definitely kind of a, a it leaves you in a situation where the country or people who are not disabled feel like they have to take care of those people around them who are um, because they're less fortunate and they're more pitiful and all the rest but also that you know that practically that translates to 
a lot of disabled people being employed in very few occupations, such as massage or singing or computers. And it's, it's really interesting in Taiwan, uh, there is a whole facet of media that is kind of a sensationalized uh, disabled singers or uh, choirs that are made up entirely of disabled people. And, you know, it's, it's a really interesting idea of, um, I think if I was to say, just speaking as a general idea, a lot of what Asian culture focuses on, China, East Asian culture specifically, uh, Chinese culture and the like, is giving disabled people what they need uh, to live to a certain extent, but it's definitely a separate world uh, where we come from, I think. Yeah, so disability in Iran is also kind of complicated, and part of it is because um, it is a developing nation. And I would say it varies mostly geographically. So in the more poor kind of villages, people with disabilities and blindness specifically have fewer opportunities. The kind of pitying factor is also pretty common, but most prevalent there just because parents are kind of scared to let their kids go out or have experiences because they don't want to deal with kind of what the public will say, and they don't want to deal with the feeling sorry and the pity from the public. But in larger cities, I would say the narrative is shifting very slowly. Um, so schools for the blind are pretty common in Iran. And now in the past 10 years or so, it's slowly, slowly becoming more common for some blind people to be able to be integrated into regular public schools. My grandma actually knew someone fully blind who went to a public school. And even like there are new organizations that are kind of being founded where they teach blind people different skills. And 15 years ago, those weren't really a thing. And now they are um, nowhere near kind of what Blind Beginnings does. But I would say it's kind of slowly making progress. Uh, can I just add really quickly? I, I forgot to mention that, yeah, schools for the blind are definitely still common um, as well in Taiwan and um, China. I don't know so much about Brunei, which I should try and find out about. But Brunei, is, by virtue of just being such a really small country, there isn't a whole lot of information around that I've been able to find. Um, but schools for the blind are definitely commonplace. Although in Taiwan, at least, I know that um, there's definitely more integration that's been starting to happen um, in the past 10, 20 years or so, too. Would you say that it kind of varies on region as well for you? Like, do you think people yeah, in, like... Yeah, yeah so like... in... Yeah, for sure. So, like, it, it, that's a very good point. Like, so in, in Taipei, um, you, because it's a big city, um, you're going to find... Uh, I think there's two schools for the blind, you know? But if you go out to other places... Uh, that are more rural, you might only find one, or you might not find one at all, um, in which case then the education prospects become a lot dimmer, or uh, it may force integration because the fact that they're not able to attend a school for the blind means they have no choice but to send their kids to whichever school happens to be close by. So I, de I definitely agree. I think it is regional. Um, and, you know, the fact that it's regional has some drawbacks but also some unintended benefits which is super interesting to look I'm at. I'm just thinking about accessibility in general like so I mean we there are schools for the blind in the United States still there's uh there's really only one in Canada there's schools for the blind in the UK so you know sort of that European culture as well however all of those places that I've mentioned have accessible transit and like the city the cities have been developed so that people who are blind can travel independently and get from point A to point B, which I'm wondering in, in India or in Iran or in some of the Asian countries, like, is that the case? I would say not because when I saw the school for the blind in India, 
people had to be guided and taken in cars. Um, they did have canes though, but the problem in India though, and like I do understand this, is that it is a developing country. Um, you know, in the part that we were in, it was villagey. And so I don't think that they, you know, we didn't even have proper roads, let alone mm-hmm. think starting to even think about accessibility. But in the city, um, in the more bigger cities, it's not like that either, though, because, in you know, I'm sure everyone has heard about India traffic. Like, you just cross if you can get across. If you see a spot and there's no car and no one's honking at each other, you run and get across that road. I would agree. And... I think the thing, the biggest difference between Iran and Canada is that here in Canada, we have orientation and mobility instructors that actually work with us in our community. And in Iran, there is ONMs, again, it's very, very slowly being integrated, but that's only available to people who are more, who have a higher socioeconomic standing, who are just physically you know in the right place in larger cities they have access to it and even then the O&M instructor doesn't really like come to their house and like work with them they go to wherever the facility of the organization is and do the O&M there so it's kind of more they have to transfer the skills to their own community which is possible but I would say it's so beneficial also to work with an O&M instructor in your community and here in the lower mainland of British Columbia, the audible traffic lights are pretty common, and those aren't a thing in Iran either. I just want to say one thing too, though, um, Sean, to your question is, uh, you know, how can a area be accessible if, if people don't even think we can travel? Well, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Because I think in India, you know, I think it's a great question. Um, but, you know, if they don't even think we can travel. So what is accessibility to them? I don't. Do they even know what it is? Like, those are just some of the questions that so, that come it, to my mind. That, that's, a, that's a really good point. And I, I would add to that. And it's really interesting to look at it from another side, which is the idea that, yes, blind people can travel, but blind people can only travel if we make it easy for them. Um, And I think that is what happens in a lot of, uh, in in places like Taiwan and uh, Japan, which I've I've both, I've experienced both. I haven't been to China or Brunei, so I can't say much about there, but um, Taiwan for sure, like in in bigger cities, yeah, again, it's um, where you have, so Nika brought something up really interesting when she said, it depended on socioeconomic status. And I find that really interesting because in Taiwan, it that might not be the case like in terms of people, but in Taiwan and Japan, it certainly depends on where you go. If you go to a big city that is more economically prosperous or um, has more people and more of an established infrastructure, you're going to find more accessibility. You're going to find uh, audible signals. Um, Taiwan has... Uh, braille in quite a few places um, and everything has audible announcements so you can hear uh, you know most things as you walk by Japan blew my mind when I was there Uh, they have tactile marking so the directional tile that we have here on SkyTrain platforms uh, they have them on the sidewalk Um, and they have different types of tactile marking to let you know if you're walking across walking across a building entrance um, or whether you're just walking on straight sidewalk, they have audible signals. They have braille on most of the train stations in Tokyo that I went to. Um, and again, everything is um, audibly announced. So it's it's really interesting to think about how that question that Ginny asked in terms of like, yeah, how do how do, in some cultures the question is. What are we even, where do we even start? Because if we don't think they can travel, then what do we do in the first place? Whereas other countries will say, well, they can travel, but we have to make it this way and they can only do it this way. There's no other way. Um, so that's, an, that's a whole other layer of complexity, which I find really fascinating to look at. 
So to like to try to answer that question about mobility and how people travel there. When I've lived there, like like I said, I didn't have a cane. And for one thing, like in the school, I've walked with touching the walls, which is yeah kind of hard because there were tables in between, and the schools are pretty crowded. Like like I said, there were eighteen thousand and one people in the school that I came from, and there aren't any audible signals. So if you need to walk, if you need to go across, you just run across, which is which is you hit or you miss. I mean, it does sound dramatic that way, but for blind people, it is like that. Hit, miss. If you need to run, if you don't, then you just need help from someone. Simple. I mean, not. I mean, it's it's harsh, but it's simple. Like that's what happens. And in terms of like culture, so yeah, back to, like coming back to the topic, like in other ways, like of traveling or of learning. Like there's a organization called NAB in Mumbai where I lived for most of my life and the person that came there first thing i didn't have a support worker or a vision teacher or a mobility teacher and the way i learned was listening to the teacher which yeah did not work as well but the the nab teacher which it's a blind organization teacher came once every two or three weeks and they they taught me about the stylus and how to use braille with stylus which <laughs> to be honest it's pretty painstaking work like using a stylus to write stuff although i didn't do it as much but in tra- and traveling definitely not a good place to travel you definitely need help no way that it's possible there are people who have who i met like who are who are totally blind and use a cane to cross roads but like i said you hit or you miss it's dramatic but you do it and but in culture like when i like i'm saying um like jenny said like east india they believe more in karma and all um yeah like about disability and that and in north india like i was saying that um there there are sometimes some sympathy but yeah it's it's good like um another example of being accepted into the culture is like um there's a kirtan which is like um it's like a shabbat and kirtan those are like i don't know if jenny or nika or ishita either of you know it but it's like a shabbat out of our holy book and you you say it using drums and pianos and harmonicas harmoniums all those stuff in the gurdwara and even at home and many blind people do that so in terms of real life in india it's too hard like but in terms of culture you can do kirtan you can be accepted jagat i i did do kirtan so i went to a school that was religious um and uh was based around sikhism so and and i think he uh, jagat brought this up where it's again culture and uh religion are really heavily intertwined i believe in north indian culture so um and it could depend uh, per person, honestly, but in the school that I went to, the religious aspects of Kirtan, um, of, uh, you know, doing everything that were religious, uh, participating in the Gurdwara and doing services there uh, was fairly accessible. And it, I didn't have any issues with it there because there wasn't honestly much help there for me, um, as opposed to academic studies where you know, there was EAs and there was uh, equipment and I did have a, a, a teacher, like um, uh, a vision teacher and an OM instructor. There was no aid in there and I think they didn't know how to provide it. So it was that mentality of, oh, I got to get it done. I'm just going to do it hit or miss kind of thing. So I didn't have too much issue with it, but Ginny, I'm curious if being totally blind, if you had a different experience. Yeah, I've done it as well. Um, for me, it was more of a way it was it's something I did enjoy but then we got into the heavier competition stuff and I was really busy in school so I did have to quit um I actually did learn from a teacher who is blind um 
Um, but unfortunately, you know, I felt like it was being done as of something like, you know, this is your only way you can make a living. Like you'd be like him, you can become a teacher, you can sit at home and make your living. Um, and you know, I don't want to do that. I want to go out and just like quote, normal quote people. I want to go out there and get a job. Um, and along with that, you know, it was kind of pushed on, you know, if you do this and if you can get to the closest to God that you can be, you'll be fixed. And I, you know, for me, that wasn't something I wanted to continue. So what is it like growing up in Canada, but being part of a culture that yeah. maybe views disability in a different way? So in terms of um, what it's like growing up kind of with a foot in each world, it, it was really interesting to me because I remember growing up and um, being in families, uh, family environments and family circles where people would say, oh, you know, uh, if the other kids are going swimming, well, Clement can't go because he obviously can't do it. Or if the kids were going to go bike or play outside or whatever, I could, you know, if the kids were going to go ride bikes around the block, I could go bike too, but I could only bike around, you know, our backyard. Contrasting that with going to school where like, you know, my teachers and uh, uh, EAs would, you know, kick me out the door if I was staying in classrooms during break, you know, because they were like, well, the weather's beautiful out there. What are you doing inside? You know, go play. And I'll be like, but I was told I couldn't. And they'd be like, nah, that's why don't you try it and see if you can or not. Um, you know, so it was it was really interesting for me. And it still is um, because what I find and this is possibly specifically my family experience, so the others can chime in, but I find that the Western world that I live in outside of my house is a lot more uh, open to the things I can do and the things I can't do as opposed to my experience uh, in my f physical and culturally uh, in at home, in my house, or whether it's at a relative's house or any sort of cultural setting versus uh, the more Canadian setting that I that I'm that I grew up in in terms of schooling and you know daily life outside of my house and it's 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 a it's a struggle because I think what that leaves me in is a situation where I kind of go okay well how much do I pay attention to what people from my culture are telling me and how much do I pay attention to what my own experiences have shown me because the two are very very different and so it's it's a very it lets you see, I think, both sides, and it lets you pick which one you know to go with, because some people might be more comfortable with saying, well, you know, if my family believes this, then I'm gonna believe it as well because uh, I don't want to cause them any undue stress. Whereas others, um, such as myself, may be more of the type to say, well, my family said this, but my experience has shown me different, and I'm gonna, I'm more likely to follow my experiences um, and what I've kind of concluded on my own as opposed to simply following what my culture says I am. So just adding to what you said, Clement, about being like said while the break happens in your, I mean, school or wherever, like to be going playing outside in India, like what had happened was in my school when we used to have a short break and a long break, like we do have here lunch and that. And yeah. when we had lunch, um, instead of saying like, go out, I used to be said, stay in. <laughs> so what had oh, happened that's, was... That's really interesting all um so the okay so the break was 45 minutes long so the only time i went outside the class the only time was before as soon as it started to go to the bathroom and to avoid the crowd as much as i could because i was going to go by the walls and eat my mm. food we um go back to wash my hands then come back and then wait for 20 minutes and just like well do nothing and um, in school, like I said, um, there wasn't any accessibility because I never participated in any PE or anything like that. I tried to as much as I could. I tried to do the running stuff because that I could do without even the cane if it was an open ground because yeah, but 
when it was like a um volleyball or handball or any other game like that then the pe teacher used to me um used to send me to the staircase and say like um you could sit there and relax i was like i don't want to relax but i mean the thing is like the culture there in yeah this is the school life but in yeah so in when i say culture in in india it's mostly culture means religion which and being in canada now um the school life is improved pretty dramatically it's improved a lot yeah i think for me having canadian privilege i am super grateful for that if my parents hadn't moved here who knows what my life would have been like who knows if i even would have been here um but i think canada has a lot of resources and you know sometimes when i'm advocating so hard and fighting for accessibility so hard i remind myself how good i have it compared to other people that's not to say that we shouldn't do those things but to remind myself that i actually have opportunities that people who are blind and in my culture don't um and i think that's really cool another thing too is that i've actually created a hybrid culture you know taking parts of my um indian heritage and canadian heritage and made it into like a hybrid culture and you know we actually learned about these in a communications class hybrid cultures and they are a thing you know intersectionality everything crosses over and i think that's quite interesting um as well as you know being in canada i'm presented with an opposing view and you know now i'm stuck between these two things and i'm trying to make culture life and western life work together in a way that that they can somehow be harmonious for me and sometimes it's really hard because you know it's like something canadian like you know be super independent you know for in the culture it's like oh you know you will get hurt you know it's from a good place but it's like okay like i have these two things i got to combine them somehow now because both of them are my identity mm-hmm. yeah i abs- i absolutely agree and i i especially with with both points of creating a hybrid culture because that's what I've done as well but also about the first part about realizing that um you know as as much as we gripe about canadian disability rights and advocacy and accessibility i do think we have to remind ourselves again and again and this is why i'm so grateful that i actually that i go to asia every once in a while because i remember that both i remember and it's kind of it almost forces you to wake up and realize that both sides have good and bad um and so you have to learn to harmonize the two and if need be yeah create a hybrid culture and try and make it work as difficult as it is it's always worth it in the end um but in canada she's uh jenny's right that we do have a lot of resources and just a lot of room to have conversations like this even uh because this kind of conversation where i come from would not happen very often at blind beginnings we you know encourage independence and we kind of really try to shift perceptions of blindness to one of that's more positive and i'm wondering you know for for your parents like how that lands if they're I mean, it's already a bit radical, maybe. It's already like we're pushing the boundaries even for North American culture sometimes, I think. Yeah, I was was just going to say that. I mean, we're we're pretty radical (laughs) in general. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and even, yeah, so it can be a stretch for anybody, I think, to to see blindness as a gift or a positive or or just not a negative. Um, but definitely that, you know, we value independence and really encourage that. And if you grew up in a culture where the idea is sort of that you take care of your people with disabilities and do for them, that must be challenging to be the child who's saying to the parent, I want you to let me do this. And the parent, that's not, you know, their natural kind of thought process. I... I'm kind of lucky in the sense that my parents, to with Iran standards, maybe not to me, but to Iran standards, my parents are quite progressive and um, open-minded. So they kind of 
they were protective of me and they were kind of worried when I say I want to do things like, you know, study nutrition in school. And I'm not sure how much of it has to do with disability and how much because I'm like their second child, like their little girl, basically. Um, but a lot of times, like with my dance, for example, like, you know, that was something that um, like my mom would tell me, like, you know, it might not happen. You might not be able to do it. And I was able to do it or proving that I could go to Europe by myself with my school. That was something that we didn't think was possible. And we thought that we'd have to have a personal chaperone for me, just me. And like, I was kind of able to shatter that boundary and that misconception. And I think with more time that's passing, the more I'm personally proving to them and just you know, their friends and other members of my family see what I'm doing and, you know, tell my parents like, oh, like, good job at raising this, you know, amazing young woman. I think they're really seeing that I can actually achieve a lot. And they, I wouldn't say go as far as saying disability is a good thing, but I definitely don't think they view it as a negative thing. I would agree. I think for me, um, my parents, man, oh man, in the beginning, like for me, I really had to push for it. But now, like they, you know, they, again, they are not full on Western parents and they shouldn't have to be, they shouldn't have to give up who they are. But to India's standards, they are so progressive. And yeah, sometimes I still don't see that because I'm still stuck here. But when I look at it, look at it objectively, I'm actually allowed to go to school and gain an education. I'm actually allowed to travel. Yeah, they might have their worries and they might nitpick about it, but I'm actually allowed to do those things and go to Blind Beginnings events and, you know, take my cane out now everywhere I go, um, things like that. And I think for them, the narrative is changing as well. Um, and they're seeing that slowly. And, you know, it's it's hard, too, because they've been raised this way for so long. And I think what's happening here is now going forward, the generations are going to change because my sisters, my brother and me, you know, we're going to have kids. And we're probably going to teach them differently. And I think that's the coolest thing, too, that's coming out of um, your question about blind beginnings. It's like my sisters and my brothers, they're my brother. They're like seeing this. And that's what they're probably going to teach to their kids. So the narrative is is on a way to the shift here because of them moving to Canada. So yeah, it comes pretty much down to this, doesn't it? Like um, everything kind of has like, um, like if we are from Taiwan or India or anywhere, like we do have a good side, we do have a bad side about um, the culture, the country. The culture can be good, the country can be bad or anyway, like... And in Canada, something is good, something is bad. So you basically have to like kind of harmonize them and like work it out yourself. I agree with Nika, Jenny, Jagad, uh, honestly, everyone here. My experience with my parents have been overall very positive. And I think one, I would say kind of obvious observation that I've made just from talking for everyone here is that perspective is everything. Um, you know, coming from uh, India, my parents had... Uh, a, like a, a certain perspective coming here it's very, very different and you can kind of like we talked about before making your own culture out of that seeing what again what you like what you don't like take um uh, taking on things that you think are good things and maybe leaving behind things that are bad but um i i would say i'm very fortunate that i don't have many um arguments or anything like that with my parents and again that could be also because I do have uh, a bit more vision than um, Ginny and Nika and Jagad here, but I would just say that my, my experience has been overall quite positive. Well, thank you so much, you guys, for being here today. This has been a very informative discussion. Um, obviously, yeah, there's a range of, of views of disability across cultures and and just accessibility across countries. And it's it does provide a lot of perspective for sure. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank oh, you. Sure. This Thank is a you. fascinating conversation. I think that it's something that yeah. uh, us 
as blind people living in the Western world don't think about a lot in terms of actually engaging um, mm-hmm. with that perspective from different cultures. Yeah. All, all of us know that different cultures are, you know, in existence, obviously, and that each of them has a different perspective on blindness and disability in general, but I don't think we engage with that yeah. as much as we could or perhaps should. It's cool bringing together kind of our respective cultural identities and also our identity as part of the blind and partially sighted community because it's kind of like Ginny mentioned earlier, that intersectionality, bridging it together, like bringing it all together and relating it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on top of that too, like the one thing I would say to any buddy from any culture who is listening talk about it i know you know um, for me my experience in the culture that i am a part of it's just something that should never be talked about um and i think it needs to be talked about to start somewhere to start talking about it i would agree and interestingly growing up as just canadian um uh, you know, it wasn't really something that was talked about in my house either, just disability in general. So it's always good to talk. (laughs) Well, thanks again for sharing with me. I really feel honored to be part of this conversation. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Share our podcast with a friend, subscribe, leave us a rating, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.